everyone. It's Dr. O and Anastasia. Hi. And we are going to talk about antibiotics today. Um, myself, a former uh, UTI sufferer, and now I uh, write a and uh, interview about urinary tract infections and overall health and holistic wellness. And Dr. O. Yeah, so I am a board-certified urologist. I have treated many women and men with urinary tract infections. Um, and oftentimes, um, these, these women and men have received antibiotics and sometimes expect to receive antibiotics. So today, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of antibiotics in urinary tract infections. So um, just a quick overview. Um, Antibiotics. So what are they? Why do we use them? Right? Antibiotics are um, medications that are used to either kill bacteria or slow down the growth of bacteria. Um, not all of them actually kill bacteria. Um, and obviously they're used when there is a culture proven urinary tract infection. And I think this is an important point that need that always um, uh, should be known is that Whenever you have, whenever someone has the symptoms of, you know, burning pain, blood in the urine, all of these symptoms that can happen with a urinary tract infection, it's important to make sure that it actually is a urinary tract infection. There are other things that can cause these symptoms, um, which probably we'll talk about in later episodes, but um, bladder pain, interstitial cystitis, um, there are other things, um, overactive bladder, lots of other things can cause this. So whenever antibiotics are given for whatever type of infection, we always need to make sure that there is a true infection that has grown on uh, culture um, and reveals bacteria. Okay. And why is it important to um, have this, I guess, uh, tests done or ensure that we treating uh, an actual infection prior to jumping on antibiotics? Because I, I know many doctors have uh, a standing prescription for um, certain folks uh, who've experiencing frequent urinary tract infections to just uh, order antibiotics directly from the pharmacy whenever they feel mm -hmm. for signs of uh, you know discomfort. Uh, and some uh, women are guilty of sharing their antibiotics with their friends and such. Uh, not to mention that there is a whole new um, tendency nowadays to put women on uh, long-term antibiotic courses that uh, span over six months or even a couple of years, regardless whether they have positive cultures or not. So maybe we can dive in into like why cultures still matter and what are the pros and cons of taking antibiotics um, mm -hmm. when there are no evidence of infection via culture, as well as, you know, kind of like long-term. Right, no, those are excellent questions. and. Yeah, so I did say that, and I, I believe that um, all infections need a culture to prove that they're infections. But you're right, that doesn't always happen. So there are um, people who may have had lots of urine infections in their past, and they obviously know their bodies. They have a sense that another infection is coming up. There are some times in a person who knows their body who has had this before and has a good relationship with their doctor, where when those typical signs come up, um, they're given um, you know, a prescription for the usual antibiotics they get and they kind of just start that. 
even still with that, that person should give a urine culture to make sure that it is an infection. Um, and they can start the antibiotics before the culture comes back. Um, but it runs the risk, you know, of just when you have symptoms getting antibiotics, it runs the risk of one over-treating. So medications, whatever they are, antibiotics or other medications, always have their side effects. Um, and so just taking things when it's not indicated is not a good idea. And I'm sure a lot of people watching this know that antibiotics can have very serious side effects. We've all heard about the in amount of um, antibiotic resistance, the extended spectrum um, uh, E. coli bacteria that are resistant, so they are not killed or slowed down by any antibiotics that we currently have. So there is a major problem, not only in America and other, uh, other um, countries too, where we've just exposed ourselves to so many antibiotics that now we have nothing to treat them. And once it gets to that point, our hands are tied. We have no treatment. And so something that was a kind of a simple urinary tract infection only in the bladder can spread outside of the bladder, go up into the kidneys and into the bloodstream and really cause serious um, side effects. So that's why it's so important that we know that we're actually treating a true infection um, and also treating it with the right antibiotics because, you know, possibly we give antibiotics that are resistant or we give um, too strong antibiotics making a new infection that is now resistant. So it's always important um, that we have a sense of what we're treating and if it, we're treating it with the right thing. So I guess to kind of uh, expand on this, mm -hmm. uh, even if you are a frequent flyer, so to speak, and have mm -hmm. been taking antibiotics uh, um, uh, several times and physicians sent your prescription directly to the pharmacy and you mm -hmm. have a choice to just go and uh, grab those antibiotics, start taking them at the first signs of infection, it is still recommended that you will, uh, uh, at your earliest convenience, do the test before you take antibiotics or during? Right, so what I would tell my patients who have this, so I have done this once or twice. I know I said that, but I have done this once or twice. So again, in those women who really know their bodies, who've had infections, um, they have, you know, their prescription that they can fill. But what they do is I give them the little urine pee cups that everyone knows and loves. And so before they go and get the antibiotics, they simply pee into the cup. You can actually leave the urine in your refrigerator, always in the refrigerator for um, typically, you know, 24 hours and then get it over to the lab, you know, within that time period. But as long as you pee into the cup, then you can take the antibiotics. Don't take, don't pee into the cup after you take the antibiotics because possibly it could, you know, kill the bacteria and then we'll never know what, um, what type of bacteria was there and if we were treating it with the right, um, with the right antibiotic. And um, so sometimes it could be, for example, a situation that, um, you know, maybe it's not a true infection, maybe it's related to something you ate or some inflammation that flared up and you thought that this was an infection, you peed in the cup, you grabbed your antibiotics, you started taking them, then the results come in negative in a couple of days. So have you seen something like that? Yeah, yeah, that definitely can happen. And again, that's why there is that concern with starting antibiotics before we know what's going on. Um, definitely if someone has severe symptoms. So if you've been feeling well and there's not, you know, there hasn't been an obvious problem, you're drinking all the things you should be doing, drinking your water, 
you're eating your normal diet, you haven't, you know, gone and, you know, crazy with the cheesecake like I sometimes like to do, but you've, you've done your normal things. And then all of a sudden, this, uh, these symptoms, the burning, the pain, um, they come up, and they're really affecting your life, you know, you're not able to do your work, you're not able to do the things you normally do, then, you know, it makes sense to go ahead and um, get treatment. Like we said before, there are other things that can cause the burning and the pain and even blood in the urine that are not um, infections. And so we always run the risk of treating something that is not an infection with um, with antibiotics. Actually, it's going to be probably a totally different mm -hmm. uh, case scenario. How often do you, or do you have an experience putting your patients on a prolonged courses of antibiotics that are mm -hmm longer than just traditional seven to 10 days or even three to four days. Uh, and that span over several months or even years. Right. So that's, you know, that's become definitely much more controversial. When I was training, um, it was actually more common in children, but definitely in um, some women too. So you know, um, a recurrent urinary tract infection is, you know, when someone has more than um, three, again, culture proven urinary tract infections um, within a year. So there are some women where it's even more common than that. It's, you know, every month they're getting this urinary tract infection. It's really affecting their life. You know, they've done other things. So giving someone a prolonged course of antibiotics is never, never, never <laughs> the first step they should know um, all the other things they need to do. So again, it's drinking water, urinating regularly, um, having a bladder-friendly diet, we could, which we can talk about later. Um, there are also other um, non-antibiotic things you can do to help um, minimize your risk for infections. Um, we talk about cranberry pills, D-mannose, um, aloe vera. There's so many other things that don't have as significant kind of side effects as um, antibiotics that can be tried before going on a long course of um, antibiotics. But yes, occasionally there are women who have tried all of these things and they still have infections. Typically, um, it's going to be someone who... Um, has been having infections for a long time. Maybe they've even had them since they were children. You know, if your mother or your sisters, um, other family members have a lot of infections, those kind of, it's thought to be somewhat of a genetic cause. Like we've tried all of these things, but there is some kind of genetic things that we don't, um, we don't have any other treatments for that can make some people just so much more likely to keep getting infections. Um, and then also we always want to rule out that there isn't, you know, kidney stone or there isn't something anatomical that needs to be treated before starting someone on antibiotics that wouldn't work. But in those cases, typically it's a three to six month course of antibiotics and it's always a low dose antibiotic. So you're not going to get the full strength pill. It's going to be sometimes a quarter dose, quarter to half dose that you take daily. Or if you're someone who gets um, infections after sexual uh, sex, or um, maybe it's, it's taken right before um, you have sexual intercourse. So it's kind of done at the time that you more, you're more likely to get, get the infection. Studies have shown that women who have these very recurrent urinary tract infections who take the antibiotics regularly are less likely to have infections during the time they take the antibiotics. There is a risk, again, that once they stop taking those antibiotics, the infections come back. So whenever you go into that 
thought of taking antibiotics every day um, regularly, yes, it can help during that period of time, but one, you run the risk that there, as soon as you get off the antibiotics, or not as soon, but within a few months after you get off the antibiotics, you can start getting those infections again. It's not treating the reason that you're having infections, it's just getting the bacteria to a low enough level, which might be zero for a period of time, that you're not, um, so that you don't get infections. Um, and then also you run the risk of having resistant infections at, in the future. So it's not a panacea, it's not a cure-all doing um, antibiotics, but if a woman or a man who gets infections regularly knows that there are these risks, that they are they, they might be getting infections again once they get off the antibiotics. It might be worth it because they're just so affected with these recurrent infections in this period of time that they're willing to get on antibiotics. Uh, this is something that you're describing as a, uh, like a low um, preventive almost dose mm -hmm. that continuously helps to support this low um, level of antibiotic and you know, in your bladder, I guess, in your urine, uh, to to uh, slow down uh, the progress of um, any kind of potential infection for a period of time. How about, or I don't know if you're familiar with Professor Maloney Lee. He's a British professor who puts his patients on actually a pretty um, significant dose of daily antibiotics for long periods of time. And he has a, one particular antibiotic of choice that he puts all patients, even those whose cultures shown that they were previously resistant, I think his microbead, I think, is the, his antibiotic of choice. Mm -hmm. It basically puts everybody, well, not everybody, but it's a, a tactic, I, I guess the strategy is here to put them on the microbead for a year or half a year, uh, full strength um, dosage, and uh, just, you know, observe them getting better and not having UTIs afterwards. Do you have any thoughts on this? I know there are definitely different ones. So macrovid is definitely a common choice. Another one is phosphomycin. Um, and then some people do Keflex, but not very, not as commonly. Um, I don't know that particular um, plan of high-dose macrovid for a year. And it can be done. But again, with being on such a high dose, even and macrovid is one of the ones that has been looked at as a common, you know, prophylactic. Even with that, there's unless there's something else going on. So unless, you know, during this period of time, the women are, you know, doing things that are decreasing their risk. So they're getting onto like these great bladder bowel regimens. They're replacing their vaginal floor, which can be a little bit challenging when you're on antibiotics, but they're doing all of these other things to decrease their, um, their risk of um, future infections. I guess I'd have to look at the, his literature specifically, but I don't know if all of those women are gonna be free from infections, you know, three years down the line or whenever yeah. the period is. Again, just because it definitely will work while they're on, anti on the antibiotics and even for a period after that. But if there hasn't been a change in the underlying reason that they're getting the infections, there is that risk that, you know, months or years down the line, and we're going to go back to the same recurrent infection. I guess the thought uh, here is that, you know, how when we look at systemic causes for urinary tract infections, we normally talk about, okay, what makes you predisposed to developing an infection rather than let's kill those, uh, let's kill these bacteria that are already in your bladder, right? Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's see how we build up your immune system or your overall health to prevent these pathogenic bacteria reaching your mm -hmm. bladder or prevent 
them from multiplying in your bladder with, uh, with the defenses that are already kind of naturally there in your body. But when we look at recurrent urinary tract infections that are caused by uh, biofilms, or those intracellular bacteria in the bladder, then the, this topic becomes a little bit of kind of a murky thing because this is, these are hard to analyze situations and hard to kind of like diagnose, I guess, from, mm -hmm. from what I know, maybe you can uh, shine some light on this. But that's, I guess, the thinking behind this, the strategies is that, you know, bacteria that reach your bladder eventually establish biofilms there. And uh, when you're done treating them with the traditional short course of antibiotics, they resurface uh, mm -hmm. and uh, repopulate your bladder and cause an infection. And so a prolonged period of antibiotics reaches those uh, stubborn infections caused by uh, bacteria hiding uh, in those biofilms. Yes, yeah, so within the biofilms, that's hard to know, again, because oftentimes we don't have the tools to detect them, yet there's um, newer, again, cultures typically won't find biofilms. You need more sensitive studies. So there are other tests, you know, there's um, PCR studies, um, DNA studies that actually look deeper into the bladder and see if there are these bacteria that kind of um, coat the bladder, the, bladder, um, the bladder wall. There are some suggestions that if you can clear these biofilms that this woman who's been having, or man who's been having recurrent infections can be cured from them. It's hard to know exactly the length of time and then also if there is still that underlying reason that they are getting the biofilms. So yes, you can treat them and the thought is if you get deep enough, you can kill these biofilms and then repopulate with, with, a, with lactobacillus or some, some healthier um, bacteria. But I don't think that we know enough and we know, you know the length of time or the strength of the antibiotics that would be needed. And I don't know that we know all of the people who have this. We haven't had enough tests of, you know, using these more sensitive tests to say this person has this biofilm and using this specific antibiotic for this specific amount of time um, will treat them. It's definitely, if the person has a biofilm, it definitely makes more sense to use a longer course of antibiotics. And again, I'm saying the same thing, but I don't know that we know the length of time, the dose of antibiotic that will completely eradicate those biofilms. Mm -hmm. And then the, the question still comes up with that being on these prolonged periods of full strength antibiotics for such a period of time, how are we affecting the other parts of the body outside of the bladder? And what, how are those, those parts um, being affected by the long course of antibiotics? Right. There's something that often comes up in our Facebook group is mm -hmm. uh, how do I even know that I have biofilms uh, mm -hmm. for sure? And the answer is that you don't. Uh, and uh, there's right now only one test on the market, uh, which is pretty expensive to cost and insurance probably doesn't cover it. Uh, it's called a periomics and costs about $1,000 plus or minus. That is the only test that can tell you not only the amount of bacteria and the type of bacteria via those DNA sequencing method, but also the strain. Mm 
Uh, and there are certain strains that are known to cause biofilms uh, versus the others that don't. And you probably want to repeat this test several times to ensure that the same strain is uh, showing up on the test results uh, mm -hmm. systematically in order to assume that, okay, those uh, recurrent infections are caused by exactly the same bacteria that's supposedly creating biofilms in your bladder and potentially, you know, uh, is the main cause for your urinary tract infections. However, I think uh, what's important to pinpoint here is similar to when we talk about bacteria, it has negative connotation in many people's minds. When we talk about biofilms, it also sounds like very scary and uh, dangerous, but good bacteria also create biofilms, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh, right, so there, and this is something that's changed like even since I, um, was training. So when I was training, the thought was that the bladder is a sterile, a sterile place. There's no, we know that there's bacteria in our skin, there's bacteria in our gut, but the thought was that the bladder had no bacteria. And more recently, um, we have found that there is, again, there's this thought of this good bacteria um, versus um, the bad bacteria, but there is this microbiome within the bladder that sits there and is actually protective, um, helps to keep our urine uh, pH normal, helps to decrease the risk of, you know, bad bacteria like E. coli and other things coming in um, and causing infections. So yes, when um, we used to call it, I guess, um, contaminants, but yes, if you get, you know, the uh, catheterized urine specimen, there can be um, bacteria that grow and that's not a bad thing necessarily, um, especially if you're not having symptoms or you're not, um, you're not having urine symptoms. Bacteria can grow and be normal and healthy and definitely they can have biofilms, which is how they grow and stay within the bladder. I guess the thing that always comes up, proteomics in the studies that look at, um, you know, specific strains within the bladder and, you know, also do um, testing to see which um, bacteria, which uh, antibiotics are sensitive to um, these. It's unknown, you know, what those antibiotics are going to do necessarily to these better, these good strains of, um, of, blad uh, of bladder bacteria, because if the bad biofilm is, you know, is being treated, it's very likely and possible that the good biofilm, the other good bacteria are also being treated and, um, and are killed with these long course of antibiotics. And that's where that kind of that play with antibiotics. Yes, it's important that they kill the bad bacteria, but what are they also doing? The good bacteria. And, you know, there are, and this is why um, macrobit or nitrofurantoin has been used because there are some reports that nitrofurantoin doesn't negatively affect the vaginal flora as much as other um, antibiotics. So that's why it's commonly one of the ones that are used long term. But I don't know some research for me how if we know that it's as safe for all of the healthier bacteria, especially long term, especially high dose in the healthy bacteria within the bladder and how it affects them long term. Right. And uh, it's interesting to see some new research in terms of looking at even so-called bad or opportunistic bacteria such as an E. coli, but strain-specific uh, research that points out that sometimes when you have E. coli in your bladder and they potentially, this bacteria can potentially cause uh, side effects like smelly urine or cloudy urine, 
they are also non-virulent types and they will not cause a inflammation and an infection. So uh, depending on the strain, and I, I like to compare thinking about anterior similar to thinking about uh, breeds of different dogs. Like I have a Pomeranian, he's a dog. <laughs> you have a German Shepherd, he is also a dog. You know, they have absolutely two different factors. They don't even look alike. Um, and uh, maybe in some circumstances, uh, German Shepherd is a bad dog and you want to get rid of it. But guess what? It, it's the same food as my Pomeranian. And it's really hard to kind of narrow down um, uh, the, the way to, to manage the mm -hmm. dogs without affecting other dogs if they're, let's say, in the same room. <laughs> Similar to that, the new report shows that um, non-virulent E. coli um, strains could be very beneficial because they suppress the growth of the virulent bacteria and can prevent infections from happening. So with current, uh, keeping in mind that antibiotics have been invented, what, in 1960s, 1920s? No, 1920, like penicillin was discovered, yeah. not invented, it's a natural organism, but it discovered. <laughs> yes, uh, so uh, anyway. not so long ago. Right. And <laughs> uh, human microbiome and the role of bacteria, especially as you pointed out, even, even when you were studying uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, pre a prevailing, prevailing notion was that bladder is sterile, mm -hmm. um, which we know is not. Uh, even lungs are not sterile, um, surprisingly enough. Um, so now we know about those microorganisms, but we still know very little to pinpoint the role they play mm -hmm. and uh, their interplay with uh, the antibiotics, um, so it's a tough question. I guess it's not a, a kind of a cookie cutter solution for that. What would you, how would you I know that's exactly right. I think, um, and you bring up a good point. I kept saying, you know, most uh, infections are caused by E. coli, but yes, there's like very many strains of E. coli. And just because you have E. coli in your, um, bladder doesn't mean it's causing a problem. And, you know, even in the healthy bladder, it's a range in any system, there's a range. There can even be, you know, a small amount of virulent bacteria that is, you know, suppressed by the healthy bacteria. So just because there is, you know, a specific type, you need to and we don't necessarily always have the test for this. Like you mentioned, some of those tests are extremely expensive and not covered by insurance and impossible to get for some patients. We don't know um, that this one back, we don't have the test to detect them. Um, and we don't know that they're necessarily causing a problem. And that's why it's so important that it's not just what's shown up on the culture, but it's also the symptoms. So those things have to be tied together. And you also brought up a good point is that we always think smelly urine is like a sign of infection, but that's not always the case. Some um, bacteria grow and they cause a strong smelling urine. Definitely being dehydrated is another um, cause for that. But just because you have a certain look to your urine, it's frothy, it smells pungent, that does not mean that there's an infection. Um, going on. So you're right, it's not a cookie cutter answer. There's, there's more questions, I think, than <laughs> answers at this point, which is um, definitely frustrating for people who are going through this and who are having these infections and whose lives are being affected by it because, you know, they're 
having to take antibiotics or they're not able to do the things that they need or want to do. Um, but it is very much um, unknown at this point. All of, we, don't, we don't know all of the bacteria that live in the, in the bladder. We don't know all the bacteria that live in the gut. So um, we're still learning <laughs> this, you know, this, far, this far out, so. And at the same time, we want to, uh, uh, you know, the notion here is to grab on to that kind of a dated tool as an antibiotic, I would sure appear in, you know, uh, 40 years from now and apply it, uh, even knowing that, you know, uh, it will cause a range of side effects and uh, affect a lot of things that we still, you know, learning about. But there is still this desire to have a magical pill, I guess, and kind of like, okay, well, just give me something. I'm ready to mm -hmm. take anything to get rid of these infections. Yes. And I think this notion of uh, promise that antibiotic will eradicate those stubborn biofilms is what, uh, you know, drives people to um, attempt those long treatments. Um, and we posted about it um, multiple times on kind of this topic and the topics around this topic, mm -hmm. that there are plenty of other things that you can um, be potentially apply to uh, fixing your health problems from within and approach this process, process of um, um, you know, treating your infections a little bit more holistically. And yes, it, uh, it, it is more kind of like a murky, uh, uh, not a very straightforward solution. You, know, you have to you know, <laughs> perhaps change your diet, change, your, change what kind of supplements you take, uh, change your physical activity level at such and such, which sounds very straightforward, but yes, have long lasting effect. And yes, it takes much more effort to do those things rather than subscribe to a course of uh, taking a you know antibiotic pill twice a day. Um, but I guess we don't really have an answer in this uh, episode. Or we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sometimes posing good questions before you uh, jump onto a uh, long-term, potentially highly impactful, not necessarily only positively impactful um, solution is a, you know, is a good way to start. Just start asking yourself those questions. Start understanding that what you're deciding to do, whether it's a long-term antibiotic course, short-term antibiotic course, um, when you don't have cultures um, and such, it can have a, a domino effect on your uh, microbiome and um, maybe try other things as well. No, that, that's exactly the thing. So exactly what you said. You need to go in with open eyes knowing what antibiotics can and cannot do, um, both good and bad, because um, being on a course of antibiotics for months or years at a time is definitely going to affect your whole body, not just your bladder, but bacteria um, throughout your body and it, it, their side effects that you should be aware of that as well as other side effects that um, come with bacteria that aren't even related to, I'm sorry, other side effects that come with uh, antibiotics that aren't even related to the bacteria, you know, how it can affect um, the other organs in your body, which it definitely can. So these are things that people should be aware of and should be knowledgeable, knowledgeable about before, you know, starting them. I guess it's important to remind that this is not a medical advice. We do not <laughs> 
does that you stop your antibiotic course that has been prescribed by a physician. Uh, yada, yada. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we said that in the beginning, but yes, this is just opinion. <laughs> yeah. Orient and some additional data point for you to mm -hmm. consider. Um, so should we wrap it up with, uh, um, I guess, two or three uh, tips in, in regards to antibiotics? Uh, something that comes to mind mm -hmm. when I think about it is, uh, you know, make sure you put a time, if you are taking antibiotics, especially the short course, and you want to make sure it's, uh, you know, effective, um, you know, follow the directions that, uh, your doctor suggests such as do not drink alcohol do not overwhelm your liver while taking antibiotics make sure these are 12 hours apart so take your first pill preferably not at 3 p.m during the day which i did once and then for the next seven days i had to wake up at 3 a.m every night to take my second pill <laughs> so keep in mind they're normally suggested to be taken 12 hours apart and kind of um uh, keep that window uh, realistic. Um, what else? I mean, take probiotics, maybe four hours apart between you taking antibiotics. Um, anything else uh, we should mention here, Lori? Um, those are good questions. But yes, you definitely can take probiotics. And it is actually recently recommended to take uh, probiotics, even if when you're on um, antibiotics. Um, I think it's really, those are all very actionable tips and very um, important. Um, the other thing is, you know, make, making sure you're still drinking fluids, um, making sure you're paying attention to your diet and what you're putting into your body, because that, apart from alcohol, but, you know, just food intake, um, sugar intake, other things like that can definitely affect um, how your body reacts to antibiotics. And um, um, the other thing is um, thinking about, We'll talk about this in another um, case, but, you know, thinking about um, the urine pH because um, certain antibiotics can benefit from acidic um, urine, less commonly, but sometimes um, alkaline, specifically with antibiotics. Um, so thinking about that when you're drinking water, um, if you're, you know, taking any acidic food as well. Um, and then just keeping in mind that you should follow the doctor's advice. Don't take more antibiotics. Don't, um, you know, give out your antibiotics to other people, please. Um, and yeah, those are, those are good tips. All right. Um, well, that concludes our episode about antibiotics. It was pretty general and I'm sure we're going to do many more that are more specific. Uh, antibiotics is a very big, yeah, it's a large one. Um, all right, thanks for tuning in and till the next time. <laughs>